Today on Bridges, we are going to take a look at how Jesus lived a completely undefeated life. And the good news for us is that as we obey him and as we remain in his word, we also can live an undefeated life. I'm Monica Schmelter, and I'm glad that you could join us for Bridges. We're going to pick up today in the book of John in the 12th chapter. Uh, We've been doing a book study on John, and most Bible theologians concur that John wrote the book of John. And one of the things that the book of John really highlights or underscores is the deity of Christ. And of course, we all know that the deity of Christ is very important in terms of who he is, but of course, our relationship with him. So I'll start reading there in the very first verse out of the New Living Translation. It says there, six days before the Passover celebration began, Jesus arrived in Bethany the home of Lazarus, the man he had raised from the dead. A dinner was prepared in Jesus' honor. Martha served, and Lazarus was among those who ate with him. Then Mary took a 12-ounce jar of expensive perfume made from the essence of nard, and she anointed Jesus' feet with it, wiping his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance. But Judas Iscariot, the disciple who would soon betray him, said, that perfume was worth a year's wages. It should have been sold and the money given to the poor. So let's stop there for just one moment, because at first glance or pause, that statement might sound like Judas uh, was really concerned about this expensive, uh, lavish perfume, and that maybe he was really a good-hearted, compassionate guy and wanted to give to the poor. But that's not at all the case. (laughs) Um, In the book of John, it will outline for you how really uh, Judas was a thief, and he wasn't concerned at all for the poor. There are uh, many records that indicate that Judas kept track of the money or kept up with the money and that he would pocket some for himself. So he really was not wanting Jesus to be worshiped in this way and for that money to be spent in that way. He wanted the money for himself. So that's one of the first things that we have to understand that Judas was not at all concerned for the poor and that Jesus says, you know, basically leave Mary alone, what she did is a beautiful memorial and that it will always be remembered that way. And if you think about it, we're still talking about that today, this beautiful thing that Mary did to worship Jesus and to lavish him with her worship in the presence of many people and in the presence of some really challenging circumstances. So we're going to skip down here in just a moment to verse 9. And it says there, when all the people heard of Jesus' arrival, they flocked to see him and also to see Lazarus, the man Jesus had raised from the dead. Then the leading priest decided to kill Lazarus too. For it was because of him that many of the people had deserted them and believed in Jesus. So let's take a look at this setting And let's take a look at the circumstances. So we know that it is just shortly before 
the Passover celebration. And there is this gathering of people together. Lazarus has just been raised from the dead. And, you know, obviously that's a miracle. This miracle is of particularly particular significance because it was considered in that day a messianic miracle. In other words, what was said in the Old Testament when the news of the uh, Messiah, the coming Savior, was prophesied is that one of the signs, one of the proofs that Jesus was uh, the Messiah would be the ability to raise someone from the dead. So Lazarus obviously checks this box. So it's big news in the town uh, without the benefit of social media or any type of media. People have heard about Lazarus being raised from the dead. So it's a, it's a popular story. It's a sign. It's a wonder. And people are gathering. And these passages of scripture say that they're gathering not only to see Jesus, but to see Lazarus, the man that Jesus raised from the dead. And in the middle of all this hoopla, shall we say, Mary decides that she wants to anoint the feet of Jesus and she wants to worship him, lavish him in this way. So Judas, who's the treasurer, and we know Judas' story. I mean, if if you've read the Bible, we know that Judas is the one ultimately who betrays Jesus. He was the money keeper. And so he sees this expensive perfume being put on Jesus' feet. And his thought was not for the poor, but was just like he wanted that money for himself. So he says something that will sound good to the people like, well, you know, we really we should have given all that money to the poor. But instead, look at what we've done. And so Jesus sets him straight and says, what's happened is a beautiful thing. And so we've got all of this stuff going on. We've got Mary wanting to worship. We've got people in the crowd, right, who are coming to see, to see this man that's been raised from the dead, to see Jesus, the one who raised him from the dead, and all that talk about the messianic miracle and this is the Messiah, is he the Messiah? And then we've got the Pharisees who are really ticked off about all of it. And it says that the Pharisees decide, okay, so not only are we going to kill Jesus, but we're going to kill Lazarus too, because it's Lazarus' fault and Jesus' fault that all these people have deserted the Pharisees and flocked to Jesus. So we've got jealousy, we've got greed, and we've got worship, and we've got onlookers all in the same event. And in these few short passages of Scripture, Truth number one that we see is we can honor Christ in the midst of chaos. And let's just think about for a moment our lives. And I know for sure that there have been times that I thought, well, as soon as this really hard season of my life is over, like that ever happens, but, you know, as soon as this is over, then I'll be able to worship more or I'll be able to volunteer more or I'll be able to uh, read more, read the Bible more frequently. I'll be able to study more like this is just a hard season. And as soon as this passes, then I'll be able to do that. But this story and remember, these stories in the Bible are true. 
The Bible is the absolute word of God. While this world is running around and saying, truth is whatever you want it to be, it's whatever you believe, it's you all. But look around you, your family, your faith, they're not in the way. They are the way. From the creators of Jesus Revolution comes the incredible true story. It's going to be dangerous and scary and giving up. It's not an option. The story of one family's journey from down under to center stage. Unsung Hero, a for King and Country film starring Candace Cameron Bure and Terry O'Quinn. In theaters now. Visit unsunghero.movie to learn more. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in... Anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. God's word is the truth. It will always be the truth. The word of God says heaven and earth will pass away, but God's word will stand forever. So there's that. But she, Mary, chooses to worship in the midst of chaos. Now, Mary has to be able to, as well as all the other people that are there. She has to be able to feel the tension that's in the room. I mean, just think about it. Have you ever walked into a room and people stop talking and kind of look at you and you know that you walked in on a conversation or that there was tension in that room or something that you weren't supposed to hear, but yet when you say, you know, is everything okay? Everybody's like, yeah. Well, how do you know that? Well, you can feel the tension. You can feel the level of discomfort. So... We understand that communication is a spirit. We can feel that. We can feel that when we walk into a room and people have just argued. We, you know, we use that term. You can cut the tension with a knife. Mary has to feel what's going on, the undercurrent of what's going on with Judas. She has to sense what's going on with the Pharisees and how angry that they are at Jesus and how frustrated that they are that her brother's been raised from the dead. We've got that whole jealousy theme. The Pharisees say, everybody's deserting us. They're going to Jesus. They want to come see Lazarus. So all of that is going on. And in the middle of all that chaos, Mary takes the posture of worship. So truth number one that we learn is that we can worship in the midst of chaos. So rather than looking at your life and thinking, well, as soon as this busy season at work is over, as soon as this relationship is mended, as soon as I can get my arms around the budget and figure out our money situation better, then I'll be 
better able to pay attention to the things of faith. No, I think the lesson here is that we can worship in the midst of chaos. And Jesus recognized, he recognizes the sacrifice that Mary's making, and he doesn't stand for the greed of Judas. He's like, leave her alone. She's doing a beautiful thing. It's a memorial to me. And you all, even today in this world and with all the things that are going on, we demonstrate our faith when we worship Jesus lavishly in the midst of chaos. You all, as far as we know, the turmoil and chaos in our present culture and world is not going to stop. In all likelihood, it will probably get worse. I mean, we see that in the Bible, that we need to encourage one another all, all the more often as we see the day approaching. So we can worship him in the midst of chaos. Don't wait for one more minute to express your love, your thankfulness, your gratitude to Jesus for all that he's done, for who he is, for how he saved you. Don't wait for a better season, a quieter season. We don't know if we will ever get that. We don't know if we'll ever get that season or get that time, yet we can worship him right now. And as we worship him, you know, the word says, and of course it's true, in his presence, there is fullness of joy. Let's skip down a little bit as we're talking about worshiping him in this chaos, in this plot of Judas and the Pharisees and to kill Jesus and now Lazarus. Let's pick up in verse 12 in, in the book of John. And it says there, the next day, the news that Jesus was on the way to Jerusalem swept through the city. A large crowd of Passover visitors took palm branches and went down the road to meet him. They shouted, praise God, blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hail to the King of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and rode on it fulfilling the prophecy that said, don't be afraid, people of Jerusalem. Look, your king is coming, riding on a donkey's colt. So I want to stop there again for just a moment and say many of us that uh, go to church, we will have what is called Palm Sunday when people worship with the palm branches we this significance of this great commemoration of worship, of, of honoring Christ for who he is. The people have in this moment of time, this recognition of who he is, and they want to honor him. And Old Testament scriptures are being fulfilled. And when I say Old Testament scriptures are being fulfilled, that's the way that we know it today. In their day, they didn't call it the Old Testament, those were the, the scrolls, those were the scriptures that they had, and they're watching that being fulfilled. And, you know, we can only imagine, we don't know what, what it would have been like to be alive in this day, to see the tension of the Pharisees escalate, to see one of Jesus' own disciples, Judas, 
began that preparation to betray him. We don't know what it would be like to be out on this roadway as Jesus is being worshipped to see this prophecy fulfilled of this young donkey and Jesus riding on it. But I can only imagine just the excitement and also the tension in the air and to see the palm branches and to see the people come out on the road to meet him and to exclaim that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. I mean, this is quite a day. And so when we talk about truth number one for today, to worship in the midst of chaos, that's what these people are doing. They have this moment of recognizing who Christ is. And I can just think and imagine based on what we know from scripture and what the Pharisees say about being angry and about being jealous, that they're being deserted and people are going to Jesus. So in verse 17, it picks up in this story and says, many in the crowd had seen Jesus call Lazarus from the tomb, raising him from the dead, and they were telling others about it. That was the reason so many went out to meet him because they heard about this miraculous sign. And verse 19, you all, this is so significant. It is so telling. And if we can hang on to this in this dark day in which we live, verse 19, it says, Then the Pharisees said to each other, There's nothing we can do. Look, everyone has gone after him. This moment, this declaration on the part of the Pharisees, we know that they had been after Jesus his entire earthly ministry. We know that the Pharisees and the Sadducees read the scriptures night and day, and Jesus said even though they read them night and day, they did not find life in the scriptures. What a sad, sad thing to read the word and only find legalism and rules and the letter of the law. They never found Christ, the spirit of the law. One of my favorite statements is those sentences is there's nothing we can do. Like the Pharisees realize they are defeated in that moment. There's nothing they can do. The popularity of Jesus, this messianic miracle, these people coming out to worship him, the Pharisees realize really that the writing is on the wall. People recognize Jesus for who he is. Now, I realize not everybody did, but there was such a great amount of people who recognized who Jesus was, that they were worshiping and the Pharisees, their jealousy was so triggered. They said, there's nothing we can do. Everybody has gone after him. And so truth number two for today is Jesus is undefeated. And in this dark time where people really don't like Christians and where people are feeling like or thinking that they can redefine truth and live any which way that they want, without consequence, without penalty. If we could just realize, if they could realize, if we could hold on to the truth, there's nothing they can do. You know, sometimes as believers, we act like the 
Hate is so challenging. We act like the dark times so awful, like, like the world is winning and the world is not winning. People without faith are not winning. The enemies of Jesus Christ are not winning. Jesus is undefeated. There's nothing they can do. I mean, they can run their mouths. They can persecute us. There's nothing anybody can do to stop the truth. Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, the life. And there's nothing that anybody, no leader, no devil, (laughs) no demon, there's nothing anybody can do about it. And the Pharisees, they reach this moment that they're like, we have got, we have got to kill that guy because the whole world, they're just going to leave us and go to him. Now, they could have fallen to their knees and worship as well because we talked about how we can worship in the midst of chaos, but the Pharisees made that tragic decision. And when I say tragic, tragic for them, life for us, life for all who believe. But this is what really put Jesus in the forefront to bring this time of his soon coming crucifixion to the forefront. This messianic miracle of raising Lazarus, this Mary worshiping at his feet, all of these things coming together, the betrayal of Jesus by Judas, Judas greed, all that is coming together. People are flocking to Jesus. And again, I'll have all of these scriptures and so forth in the online extras for today if you'd like to study this out further. But we see that the time of Jesus is at hand and Jesus knows this. He knows that everything, this is the whole point. He was born on this earth to, and came to this earth to seek and save the lost. Jesus knows that his time is coming. He knows he's going to have to lay down his life. I'm going to pick up in just a moment in verse 23. And it says there, Jesus replied, now the time has come for the son of man to enter his, into his glory. I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat is planted into the soul and dies, it remains alone. But its death will produce many new kernels, a plentiful harvest of new lives. Those who love their life in this world will lose it. Those who care nothing for their life in this world will keep it for eternity Anyone who wants to serve me must follow me because my servants must be where I am and the father will honor anyone who serves me. Truth number three for today is follow Christ and live. This teaching, this illustration that Jesus gives When he says, unless that kernel, unless that grain falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. You all, what Judas and what the Pharisees did not realize is that the greed, their greed, the jealousy, this plot to kill Jesus, this plot to keep the people from Jesus, it backfires. They don't see it at the time. 
They think that they can defeat Jesus. They think that they can stop the plan of God. They think that they can halt this, but they cannot. The Pharisees spoke the absolute truth when they said there is nothing we can do. There is nothing they can do. I know, and you know, right, that he went to the cross. They did have him arrested. They did have him beaten and flogged and crucified. But even all of that, Jesus said nobody took his life from him. He said he laid his life down. He said he had the authority to lay his life down and to pick it up again. And yet it was all over everybody's heads and hearts. They didn't get it. And it's easy for us to look back and say, well, they didn't get it. But I pray in Jesus' name that it won't go over our heads, that we'll get it today. There's nothing that can be done to defeat the plan of God. Jesus is undefeated. And when we are in him, when we obey him, when we remain in him, we are undefeated. Oh, I know. I know the world can rage. I know people that, good grief, the ridiculous things that are said today, the lies that are said like they're truth and like they're pleasant truth, the way that Christians are made out to be small-minded and ridiculous and that we hate and that Others are so tolerant and so wonderful. The people that talk about tolerance are not tolerant. The only people they tolerate are the people who think like them. They don't have respect for other philosophies or lines of thoughts, and they certainly don't have reverence for Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. And you all, we cannot let that get to us. We cannot let that get into our hearts and make us bitter or make us afraid or believe in any way that they are winning because they are not. The world is losing. Anyone who loves their life in this world will lose it. And anyone who cares nothing for their life in this world will save it. So this plot of the Pharisees backfires and it's the reason that we can be saved today. Jesus knew full well that all of this would be coming about. He knew when he raised Lazarus from the dead, he knew that that messianic miracle would be one more thing that would bump up his presence in the public, that would bring him closer to the day to give his life. He knew the worship of Mary and that expensive perfume made from the essence of nard. He knew that that would bring out the jealousy or the greed in Judas and that Judas would try to turn that around and make it look like he cared for the poor. When Judas was a thief, he cared nothing for the poor. But all of this from the book of John to teach us that Jesus is undefeated and in him we are too. Today, we've talked about truths from the word of God. One, number one, we can honor God in the midst of chaos. Don't let the disruptions and the problems in your life keep you from worshiping God for who he is. Worship him lavishly now. Truth number two, Jesus is undefeated. Whatever this world has got planned against the plan of God, whatever they've got planned against us, if we're in Christ, Jesus is undefeated. 
And truth number three, follow Christ and live. The only way to eternal life is in Christ. In today's truth, because of Christ, we are victorious and there's nothing that they can do. I'm Don Hawkins, and I once heard Chick-fil-A founder Truett Cathy say, you can tell if a person needs encouragement, check to see if they're breathing. I'd like to invite you to my weekly podcast, Encouragement for You, featuring encouraging guests like Dr. Greg and Aaron Smalley, Dan Cathy, the late Dr. Frank Menrith, Josh McDowell, and more. To subscribe to my weekly Encouragement for You podcast, go to lifeaudio.com. That's lifeaudio.com.